God, may you be in my thoughts, words, and deeds. May I preach your word with humility and integrity. Amen. Ash Wednesday, friends. I have to share with you that I did not grow up in a tradition of Ash Wednesday. I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian community where sin was a big topic year-round. We talked about how sin separates us from God. There was a sense of fear and intense impending doom of, well, if I'm being honest, hell. In my growing up years, Ash Wednesday was just another time to remember how truly sinful I was. But I think the Episcopal tradition and its posture toward Ash Wednesday has been a meaningful and helpful corrective for me. Last year, Reverend Nancy preached on Lent and she said, this is a liturgy of what is real. And I really took her point. What is real for us is that God's grace and love undergirds and covers every aspect of what we hold true on Ash Wednesday. The point isn't that we're so corrupt or depraved, i.e. sinful. The point is that God's grace extends in profound and deep ways into our lives. God's grace covers every aspect of what it means to be human, even unto our own death. That God is God and we are people, it might seem simple, but I contend that this is the core truth of Ash Wednesday. God is God and we are people. No one here is either the worst thing they've ever done nor the best thing they've ever done. Those two things, the worst and the best, don't ever equate to who you are. So we mark our own bodies with these ashes, and the imperative for us is to recall that God's grace wraps us up, all of us, all the parts of us that we are scared of, ashamed of, all our unmet needs. God's grace wraps us up, all of us, the parts of joy and the parts that we take pride in and celebrate. There has been a lot of discourse in the Christian circles that I run in about our humanity, about what makes us human and what binds us together with other humans. You know, those deep social connections that can really offer relief and build one another up. I've been thinking a lot, some of you already know, I've spoken with some of you about this, but I've been thinking a lot about the viral Elmo tweet that took over the internet a couple of weeks ago. Now, for those who don't recall, Elmo tweeted on a social media platform, quote, Elmo is just checking in. How is everyone doing? And friends, in 24 hours, there were 174 million views along with thousands of responses, which seemed to illustrate a snapshot of this moment in time that we're in. One headline said, quote, Elmo's viral tweet sparks existential crisis among followers. The world needs what we have to offer, and that is deep community amidst all that makes us human. Authenticity, vulnerability, and space to hold what really matters and what binds us together 
in all of that is the love of Christ. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't share that Valentine's Day is my favorite holiday. Now, besides the fact that I love all things pink and glittery, it's not usually associated with my sort of professional line of work in the same way as Christmas, for example. So it's sort of a breath of fresh air. To me, it's not just a day of romance. No, it's much more. It's a day of friendship. It's a day of God's eternal love. A day of sharing and delight with those that I'm closest to. I spoke to my neighbor yesterday who asked, how often does Valentine's Day fall on Ash Wednesday? Of course, we went down that rabbit hole. Apparently, it will happen three times this century. It happened once in 2018, it's happening this year, and it will happen again in 2029. And that's it for the century. But in my opinion, I couldn't think of a better hallmark holiday to fall upon Ash Wednesday. Because after all, it's God's love that animates us. God's love animates all of who we are. As this day is marked by the dust of ashes, I wanted to share a quotation from you, sorry, a quotation with you from one of my favorite writers, her name is Tara Schuster. Now, it's a bit long, so forgive me, friends, but it is so, so good, and I promise it will be worth it. She says, quote, According to my extensive and highly scientific internet research, the reason stars glitter is because they have been through so much. Stars are born when clouds of gas and dust are pushed together by the unrelenting force of gravity. All of the motion, the pushing, the prodding, the exertion of forces beyond the gas and dust's control heats up the nebula, making the star smaller and smaller and hotter and hotter until the center becomes so blistering that the hydrogen gas in the star goes nuclear. At that moment, the vapor couldn't feel more squeezed. It becomes a star that, ha- that has the power to glow, glow for billions of years. It's the pressure, the process, all of the stuff the star has endured that gives it its resiliency. We are stars. I mean that quite literally. Most of the elements that make up our bodies come from the Big Bang, from the very things that make up stars. I think you've probably heard that before, and it isn't a fable, it's true. Isn't that just about the most enchanting thing to think about? That you are made of stardust. End quote. I think this quotation is so spectacular for today because it reminds us of the dust, the literal stardust we are made of. From dust we were made, and to dust we will return. It grounds us in all the interconnectedness in a cosmic sense. We're, we're grounded by this interconnectedness of mortality. Our humanness is what makes a day like Ash Wednesday so important and impactful. It's a time when we remember God's grace is so much bigger than we can as even imagine as we await the celebration of Christ's coming 
death, and ultimate resurrection on Easter. I know I'm getting a little Eastery for Ash Wednesday. You know, it's difficult to stay in the mortality of Ash Wednesday, to stay in our utter dependence on God, the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, and to sort of not think beyond that yet to Easter. It's sort of the creature's task on an Ash Wednesday to help us stay in what makes us human and give name to the goodness of God regardless of our mortality. Or maybe because of our mortality. I find that Walter Brueggemann's poem entitled Marked by Ashes is a poignant depiction of this push and pull on Ash Wednesday as we enter the season of Lent together. I think it gives words to our humanity and also turns us towards God's grace. So I'm going to close with a reading of his poem, Marked by Ashes, written by Walter Brueggemann. Ruler of the night, guarantor of the day, this day a gift from you. This day like none other you have ever given or we have ever received. This Wednesday dazzles us with gift of newness and possibility. This Wednesday burdens us with the tasks of the day, for we are already halfway home, halfway back to committees and memos, halfway back to calls and appointments, halfway on to next Sunday, halfway back, half frazzled, half expectant, half turned toward you, half rather not. This Wednesday is a long way from Ash Wednesday, but all our Wednesdays are marked by ashes. We begin this day with a taste of ash in our mouth, of failed hope, of broken promises, of forgotten children and frightened women. We ourselves are ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We can taste mortality as we roll the ash around on our tongues. We are able to ponder our ashness with some confidence only because our every Wednesday of ashes anticipates your Easter victory over the dry, flaky taste of death. On this Wednesday, we submit our ashen way to you, you Easter parade of newness. Before the sun sets, take our Wednesday and Easter us Easter us to joy and energy and courage and freedom. Easter us that we may be fearless for your truth. Come here and Easter our Wednesday with mercy and justice and peace and generosity. We pray as we wait for the risen one who comes soon.